You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. I am excited about the message that I have for you today. You're going to love it. I hope you brought your uh, uh, your shouting shoes, as they used to say. And, you know, I don't mind if you get a little excited, you know, if, uh, you know, during the message, cough, do something. Let me know you're still here, all right? You can say amen real loud. Do whatever you need to do. But uh, we're going to have a good time in the Word of God this morning. Well, this is week number six in our series called Life or Death. And again, I am very excited about this series and uh, um, because I know the direction that the Lord is kind of taking us and where he's wanting us to go with this. And it's more than just, excuse me, right and wrong confessions. The Lord's taking us in a little bit different direction so that we can grow um, in the knowledge of what our words will accomplish But your words are producing life or death in your life. And so let's look at our foundation scripture. By the way, if you came in and you did not receive a handout and you need to get one, just hold your hand up. We have some in the back. We'll get them to you. If you need a pen to write some notes, we'll get a pen to you. No shame in asking. But uh, I want you to be able to write some things down, take some good notes. But again, let's look at this foundation scripture found in Proverbs chapter 18, verses 20 and 21. I'm reading from the easy-to-read version, and it says this. Your words, say my words. It says your words can be satisfying as fruit, as pleasing, pardon me, as the food that fills your stomach. Verse 21, the tongue can speak words that bring life or death, and those who love to talk must be ready to accept what it brings. So the tongue can produce life or death. You believe the Bible today? Well, that's what the scripture says. And so I want to review just to take five minutes maybe and review a little bit. So I'm going to give you some points. These aren't on your notes for today. They were in previous week's notes. But let's look at these things and uh, let me just hit on it. So here's the first one. The tongue, as we just said, the tongue, pardon me, can speak words of life or death Here's the key, the choice is yours. You make the decision what comes out of your mouth. Now somebody says, well, I can't help but what comes out of my mouth. Yes, you can. You can make that determination. You can decide what words you are speaking. Here's the next thing we said, and that is this, and this is a tough saying, but it's the truth. Where your life is today is a result of what you believed and said yesterday. So where you are today is a result of what you believed and said yesterday. Now, I'm talking about on a consistent basis. We all have things happen in life. But what I want you to see, if you were to take a a 60-foot view, so to speak, and just look over your life, the whole quality of your life can be summed up in what you have believed and what you have said in the past, okay? Here's the next thing, and that is this. If you want to change the direction of your life, start changing your words. I want to ask you a question, and and you don't have to answer this, just rhetorical, but if you were planning on starting some New Year's resolutions in a few weeks, I encourage you, go for it, but I want to encourage you to do something a little different. I want to encourage you to start now changing what you're saying in preparation for your New Year's resolutions, okay? Because your words can lay the groundwork for what happens with your New Year's resolutions. If you're going to make some changes at the beginning of the year, begin to talk about and speak those things now. You know, we read early on in this series, the scripture from James chapter 3, where it talks about the tongue is like a bridle that you put in a horse's mouth And so, you know, if you want to change where your life is going, or let's using that illustration again that James used, if you're riding a horse and you want to go left, what you do is you pull on the reins and put pressure on that horse's mouth in the direction that you want the horse to go. Well, your life is the same way. Put pressure on your mouth 
and by your words to determine the direction that your life is going to go, all right? Now, we began talking about praise and worship, and this is where the Lord is kind of transitioning us in this series to talk about praise and worship. So let me give you some points that we've talked about over the last couple of weeks where praise and worship is concerned. Here we go. Worry and anxiety will keep your focus on your situation or your circumstances. Praise and worship keep your focus on God. Now, if you missed any of this, this is on the previous week's notes on the website, okay? So praise and worship will take your focus off of your circumstances and will put it on the Lord and what God has promised that he would do. So when you take the time and you say, Father, I thank you that, you know, as we sang just a few moments ago, that you are with me, you're for me, you are beside me, you're in me, all those promises that God has made in his word, what that will begin to do is to get your mind off of your circumstances. Let me say it this way. You can't worry about what's going on in your life and praise God at the same time. It's one or the other, okay? So here's the next thing we said. Praise is an act of faith. Why is it an act of faith? Because we are praising a God that we cannot see. The Bible says in John chapter 1 that no man has seen God at any time. Now, we'll see him when we get over on that side, but no man has seen God in the earth at any time. And so when God uh, leads us and instructs us to worship and praise him, we're praising him by faith because we can't see God. You know, we can't see in the natural necessarily whether he's moving or not. So when we praise him and thank him that he is moving, that he is working on our behalf, that he is fighting our battles for us, and it's going on behind the scenes, then that is an act of faith. And it's also an act of reverence. We'll talk more about that in just a little bit. But when you worship and praise God, you're revering God. You're honoring him and glorifying him. Kenneth Copeland said this, and I liked it, and I, I wanted to give him credit. Now, I'll probably do that for about two more times, and then it's going to be my saying, okay? But <laughs> when you pray, you lay hold of things. You know, we receive things by faith when we pray. But when we praise, we win battles, so we pray, we release our faith, and we thank God, and, and God answers our prayer. So we lay hold of things, but there's something different about praise and worship that, that, that will fight battles for us, that you fight and win battles when you praise and worship God, all right? Now, we said this last week, praise, praising God takes us to the other side of our opposition, Praising God will transport you to the other side of your opposition. Now, I wish I had time to go through all the stories in the Bible where God's people faced opposition. You know, some of the stories in the Old Testament where God's people would face opposition and praise and worship is what got them through to the other side and to victory on the other side of that opposition. Here's the next thing. There is nothing. Say nothing. Say it again, please. There is nothing you cannot praise your way out of, nor is there anything you cannot praise your way into. I'm going to say that again. And by the way, this is a key statement. If you don't get anything that I say today, get this right here, and that is this. There is nothing you cannot praise your way out of. Again, I wish I could give you story after story in the Bible where people got themselves in a hard situation, a difficult situation, but they praised and worshiped God and, and got out of that situation. In other words, their praise got them out of that, that situation. Now, here's something that you need to understand. There's nothing that, your praise, that you cannot praise your way into. You know, I was thinking about this. I, as I was getting ready this morning and I thought about uh, this particular statement and I thought, you know, what's a good example of that? Well, what immediately popped into my mind was this. You remember the children of Israel when Moses died and Joshua uh, became the leader 
of the children of Israel. The first city that they overcame was the city of Jericho. And God told them that they were to go in and take the city. All right. Now you'll remember this story. You know, we taught, we learned it in Sunday school and, and we've taught it, you know, in, in church before, but what did the people do? Well, the Bible says that that for six days they marched around the city of Jericho. They didn't say a word. They just marched. Well, that march was an act of faith because God told them that's what they needed to do. What did they do, though, on the seventh time around? When, when Moses, I mean, excuse me, when Joshua gave them the signal, they shouted with a voice of praise. And what happened when they shouted with the voice of praise, the walls fell down and they just marched into the city. So again, there is nothing you cannot praise yourself into. So if God has told you that there's something you're to do, a place you're to go, uh, somewhere in life that you're supposed to be, start praising God for getting you there. Amen? All right. Now, here's something else we said. And that is this, the exit road out of your problems is paved with praise and worship. The exit road out of your problems. If you're facing problems right now, if you have a situation that's bearing against you right now, your way out of that situation relies on your praise and worship. Amen? All right, now, <clears throat> let's, let's pick up and let's talk about what we want to talk about today, and the title of the subtitle of today's message is this Praise will put it back. Turn to somebody close by and say, Praise will put it back. Okay? Say it after me. Say, Praise will put it back. Say it again. Praise will put it back. One more time. Praise will put it back. All right? Now, we're going to find out what, what, what that means, okay? Now, one of the things that the Holy Spirit began to minister to me, oh, probably three or four years ago, and I've been working on it, and I've been mentioning it to you all and mentioning it in our Bible study on Wednesday night, and that is this. The Lord dropped in my spirit that we need to become skillful at spiritual things, if there's anybody in the, you know, in the world that ought to be skillful at spiritual things, it, it ought to be God's people, okay? Now, I want you to write this down, please, and that is this, being skillful in faith requires us to be skillful in our praise and worship. So I need to be mindful as a pastor when I teach you about faith that I also make sure I include Praise and worship with that because the two work hand in hand. You're not going to be effective in using your faith and releasing your faith if you're not effective in praise and worship. So, you know, we need to be skillful. We need to be skillful in prayer. We need to be skillful in healing. We need to be skillful in all the things that God wants us to be skillful in. But if you're going to be skillful in using your faith, you must be skillful in praise and worship. Now, there's some things that you can do on purpose in praise and worship that can, and I'm going to be so bold as to say this, but can expedite your exit out of situations. There are some things that you can skillfully do in praise and worship that can bring the anointing of God on the scene better or more powerfully than anything else. But we've got to be skillful at those things, okay? So that's why we're taking some time to talk about this. Write this down, please. Praising God connects us to our spirit, our born-again spirit, because praise and worship is a spiritual thing. Now, I'm, I'm going to say this, and, you know, I don't mean any harm when I say this, but I've been involved and present in, in services where there has been music that happened, but it wasn't spiritual, okay? You know, when it starts spilling, and I'm not being critical, I'm just saying when it starts spilling over and becoming performance and those types of things, it ceases to be spiritual. 
It's more soulish at that point, meaning it's designed to appeal to your emotions and all that type of thing. But, and, and sometimes there's nothing wrong with that. But God wants us to be skillful in our worship knowing that it's a spiritual thing. Let me share with you what Jesus said in John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24 in the Passion Translation. It says this, Jesus, if you'll remember, this is when he had an encounter with the Samaritan woman at the well, and he's talking to her. And you remember he said, uh, she said, he asked her to get him something to drink and, uh, you know, so forth and so on. And he began to talk about living water. And she said, I want some of that living water and so forth and so on. Well, they began to have a little uh, spiritual conversation because she tried to get religious on him. And, and <laughs> Jesus doesn't do that. All right. So let's see what he said. He said this, from here on, Worshiping, worshiping the Father will not be a matter of the right place because she had set, tried to say, well, you know, you folks, you Jews, believe that we ought to worship here. We Samaritans have been taught we need to worship here. So Jesus replied, from here on, from this point forward, worshiping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, look at this, but with the right heart. For God is a spirit. God is a spirit, and look at this, and he longs to have sincere worshipers who worship and adore him in the realm of the spirit and in truth. So God desires for people to worship him, but it's got to be a spiritual thing, and it's got to be truth, or it's got to be based on God's Word and what God's Word says. So it's very, very important. Now, I want to go to a story in Luke chapter 17, and we're going to study this out. We're going to kind of break it down line by line. You know, I'm an old school Bible teacher, and I love teaching in an expository way where we look at the Scriptures, okay? But lest you forget, say this, say praise, praise. we'll put it back. Say it again. Say it one more time. Okay, I don't want you to forget that. All right, so let's look at Luke 17, and we're going to start in verse 11. So it says this, Now it happened as he, Jesus, went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Verse 12, Then as he entered a certain village, there met him, Ten men. How many? Did it say six? Ten. Okay. There were ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. Now, why did they stand afar off? Because they had leprosy. The law required that they could not mingle with everybody else. So they stood afar off, separated because of this disease, and they lifted up their voices and they said, Jesus Master, have mercy on us. Now, I want you to notice something. They were lepers, right? Okay. What did they need? Healing in their bodies. But notice what they cried out for. They asked Jesus, have what? Mercy, mercy on us. So what they were crying out for were healing mercies that, that God provides. You need to understand something. When you say something like, the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever, that word mercy is more than just he loves me. It includes healing. It includes God's blessing. It includes God's favor. It includes everything that is encapsulated in God's mercy. All right? So let's look at verse 14. So when he, Jesus, saw them, he said to them. Now, he's still afar off from them. And so he tells them, go show yourselves to the priests. Now, why did Jesus say that? Well, the Old Testament law said that when a leper 
received healing or got cured of their disease, the first thing they were supposed to do was to go and show themselves to the priests for an inspection. And the priest would examine uh, the areas of their body that had leprosy, and if it indeed was gone, the priest would certify it, and then they were allowed to go back out in public again. So I find it interesting that Jesus didn't even bother to say, hey, be healed in my name. He didn't bother to say, be healed because Jehovah Rapha is your healer. No, the first thing he told them was, go show yourself to the priest, meaning it's already done. Okay, so what happened? He tells them, go show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. Now, what if one had stopped and said, you know what? I don't know why he said, go show yourself to the priest. I don't have anything to show the, the priest. I haven't been healed. I don't know why he told me that. I don't know why he gave those instructions. No, see, the healing was in the going. And the moment that they turned to go and obey that command of faith that Jesus gave them, they were cleansed. Another way to say it is they were healed, okay? So Jesus gives them that instruction. They obey, and it says as they went, they were cleansed. Now, here's what I want you to understand about they were cleansed. At that moment, the process of leprosy was stopped. Now, we don't hear much about leprosy these days. Now, if you're in a third world country, there are some areas that still experience leprosy today. But leprosy was a disease that would attack the external layers of your flesh and would begin to eat away at those layers. And so over time, it was very possible that you could start losing appendages, you could lose an ear, you could lose part of your face. It was a horrible disease, and it was highly contagious. Okay? So what happened is when Jesus gave them that command and they turned and went and they were cleansed, the process of leprosy was stopped. There would be no more deterioration of their skin. There would be no more deterioration of their limbs. Nothing, the disease would not continue at all. In other words, the disease was eradicated from their physical bodies. So the dead tissue was cleansed at that point. All right? Now look at verse 15. So the tall ten turned and went to go see the priest. And it says in verse 15, and one of them, how many? One of them when he saw that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice glorified God. So it's interesting to me that 10 were healed, but only one gave praise for his healing. Could that be an indication of human nature? that a lot of times when God does something good for us, that sometimes we forget where that goodness came from and that we ought to take a moment and thank and praise him for what he did in our lives. That's what reverence is all about. Reverence is where we stop and take a moment to acknowledge God in our lives. Okay? And so it says that 10 were cleansed, but only one came back and he fell down, verse 16, on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. Now notice this. And by the way, what is it I always tell you? Pay attention to the, okay? Pay attention to the details. The Bible is full of details. And if you will pay attention to them, it'll open up a whole uh, door of revelation to you. So notice Mark, I mean, excuse me, Luke, by the uh, inspiration of the Holy Spirit, pointed out that this guy was a Samaritan, okay? 
What does that mean? Well, let me explain to you what Samaritans were. Samaritans were actually half-breed Jews. They were part of, back a thousand years before this time, uh, when the kingdom of of Israel was split in two. You had uh, the kingdom of Israel to the north, and the capital of that uh, kingdom was Samaria. And then you had the lower kingdom, which was Judah, and Jerusalem was that capital. And, of course, the instructions given way back at the beginning by Moses and the Lord were that they were not to marry out of their, uh, their race, their, their nationality, okay? And so what happened is these Samaritans began to commingle and marry with heathen people all around them. And what it did is it caused them to fall deeper and deeper and deeper into sin, And eventually, the lineage was so watered down by the time Jesus came that they weren't even considered Jews anymore. They were now considered Gentiles. And so my whole point in saying all of this is that this guy, this Samaritan, his name was Sammy, Sammy the Samaritan. I'm just kidding. I don't know what his name is. I just wanted to see if y'all were paying attention. (laughs) All right. So notice something, though. He had not been trained in the synagogue. He didn't grow up going to church. I don't know how much, if any, he had heard the law or the prophets or, you know, Psalms, Proverbs, any of those books. We don't know how much training he had had, but because the Bible points out that he was a Samaritan, we can safely assume that it was very, very little. Now, what's my point? Here's a guy who had no or very little religious training at all, but yet he knew when God moved on his behalf to stop, acknowledge what God did, and to praise. And notice what it says, with a loud voice, he glorified God. He knew something instinctively on the inside of him knew I need to give thanks and praise for what just happened in my life, whether he was taught that or not. See, there's something down on the inside of you that if you'll pay attention to it, when God moves on your behalf, there's something inside you that will want to give God glory. Amen? Okay, so again, how many of them? came back out of 10, okay? So one out of 10 returned to praise God and worship God. The other nine kept going. All right, look at verse 17. So Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 cleansed? Now, isn't it interesting? Again, pay attention to what Jesus says. He did not say, well, gosh, I wonder if the power of God showed up for the rest of those folks. I wonder was, maybe I had missed it somewhere. If only one out of the 10 got it, maybe I missed it and the anointing was diminished in my life somehow. Maybe there was a problem. Maybe something was wrong and and I short-circuited the, no, he did not question that at all. Matter of fact, he didn't even bring the fact that the healing anointing was present for the all of them his, his question was, were there not 10 who got healed? And the answer was, yes, there were 10 who got healed. But notice what happened. Were there not 10 who got cleansed, but where are the nine? Now, I want, I want, you, to, I want you to notice this. Religion will try and tell you, Jesus was honked off now. He was mad. Because who do these guys think they are? I mean, I show up, I heal them, I I deliver them from leprosy, that awful disease, and they turn and walk away and don't even bother to give me any praise or give me any glory. I'm mad. I'm mad about that. I have a good mind to take their healing back from them. Matter of fact, when I get a chance, I'm going to put leprosy back on them. That's not Jesus. We know God doesn't do that. But that's what religion will try and tell you. 
Why did Jesus ask the question, were there not 10 who were cleansed, but only one came back? The reason being is he was not through with what he wanted to do in their lives. I'm going to say something to you. Look at verse 18. Were there not any found who returned to give God glory except this foreigner? Now, what I want you to see is this. Jesus was looking for the nine because he wanted to do more for them. I I want to ask you a question. Is it possible that Jesus wants to do more in our lives, but because we don't return, we don't receive it? Just a question, okay? Now, here's the climax of this story, all right? In the New King James, verse 19, it says, And he, Jesus, said to the one who returned, Arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. That's a little ambiguous. The actual Greek, the old King James is actually more accurate in its translation. And it says this, Jesus said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. There's a difference between being cleansed and being whole. What does this mean? This means that, and you can look it up in the Greek language. It's, it's the Greek word sozo, where we get salvation from, but it actually can be translated wholeness. And what it means is because this guy came back and returned and gave God glory for what Jesus did in his life, that not only was he cleansed or healed of the leprosy, whatever he lost because of this disease was now put back. If he was missing part of his ear because uh, of the leprosy, all of a sudden, he's got a whole ear now. If part of his nose had, and this happened, if part of his nose had deteriorated, his facial features were restored. You know, I have to believe, you remember Naaman back in the Old Testament, the Syrian general who got healed in Elijah's ministry, who had leprosy, and he dipped in the Jordan River and came up seven times, and on the seventh time, the Bible says that his skin was restored like that of a baby's skin. I have to believe that God is no respecter of persons, that if he did it for Naaman the Syrian, he'd do it for this guy. So when this guy came back, fell on his face before Jesus and began to give God glory and praise that because he did that, it was an act of faith and Jesus was able to do the more for him and therefore I have to believe his skin was restored just like Naaman's was, like that of a baby. If parts were missing, they were put back. And so what I want you to see is, again, praise will put it back. Now, you know, the Holy Spirit did not inspire these men to write stories like this in the Gospels just to fill up ink and paper. It's to be an example for us so that we can lay hold of it and we can believe. So this man who was not taught in faith and how to express his faith towards God came back praising and worshiping God and Jesus, notice what he said, your faith. Jesus called the man's worship faith. See, you might not know all the ins and outs and all the details of faith. You know, I've had the privilege of being taught these things for years and years and years. You may not be there at this point in your life. But I will tell you this, if you will learn how to pray, receive, obey, and praise and worship God, you have great faith. Amen? All right, now, let me show you some things 
to write down, please, so that you can begin to understand this. I'm just going to hit some principles from these scriptures. All right, here we go. Write this down. The cleansing of the leprosy stopped the process of the leprosy, but the man's praise made him whole. I, I want to I ask you a question. What do you think the nine friends thought when they saw him later? You know, because they're healed, but they're still walking around with missing stuff, parts not being there, you know, I have to assume. And they see him, they knew him before, and they see him, and all of a sudden his ears whole, his nose is restored, his face looks great, his, his skin is like the skin of a baby. What do you think they said? Hey, what happened to you? You know what he said? I went back. I returned. And so what I want you to see is, is the man returning and his praise made him whole. Now, I want you to get this. And other than the thing I told you to remember earlier, if you don't get anything else out of this message, remember this phrase right here. Write this down, please. You can praise your worship and worship your way into wholeness. Wholeness. If there is stuff that the devil has stolen from you and you have lost, and listen, God's mercy is so good that if you messed up and lost some stuff, if you'll repent and ask God to help you and get involved in praise and worship, God, you, you know, there's something we don't understand or we don't acknowledge enough about God, and that is the wonderful thing about him called restoration. God is quite capable in restoring some stuff to you. Say this, praise, we'll put it back. Okay? Write this down. Anything that is missing can be put back through your praise. Now, somebody said, well, you know, I, I got in, involved in a bad relationship. And no, let me, let me clarify that. Where other people are involved, that's their decisions, okay? But what you lost as a result of that, God can put back. Anything that is missing can be put back through your praise. Cleansing is great, but why just settle for cleansing when you can have wholeness? I'm going to say that again. Getting cleansed is great. Getting healed is great. But why settle for just healing when you can have wholeness? You know, I'm not going to go into it today, but um, the same thing happened to the woman with the issue of blood. You remember her story? How she went and she touched the hem of Jesus' garment? She got healed at that moment. The issue of blood stopped. But when she came and she told Jesus about all that she had done and how she had believed in him and put her faith in him and pressed her way and so forth, Jesus turned to her and said, Daughter, your faith has made you whole. Now, what had happened to her? She had lost a bunch of money. She had been going to doctors for 12 years. Scripture tells us that. And so, and doctors are just like doctors today. They didn't work for free. Okay, all right, and so, and they didn't have uh, insurance, all right, and so it cost her a lot of money, it cost her relationships, might have cost her her job, might have cost her a whole bunch, but because she pressed her way in faith, came and touched the hem of his garment and fell down at his feet and gave him honor and glory, Jesus acknowledged her faith and told her, go, your faith has made you whole. Hallelujah. Now, here's, here's what I want you to see. Jesus had wholeness for the other nine, but they didn't return. Could it be that we're missing out on some stuff because we're not returning? We're not coming back. What does that mean? Well, you know, I've, I've, I've seen people even in our own church that you pray with them, 
You believe God with them. God shows up, moves on their behalf. Life starts getting good. And guess what happens? They disappear. What does that mean? They're not returning. Okay, now this isn't the only church in town. I know that. It's not the only great church in town. There's lots of great churches. But what I want you to see is, is if you're a part of this church and this is your church home, when God starts moving on your behalf, the worst thing you can do is start doing something else. Come back where, you know, like they used to say when I was a kid, get under the spout where the glory's coming out. <laughs> Amen? All right. Okay. See, you cannot, write this down, you cannot receive all God has for you just coming before his presence once. You must return. There's an interesting phrase in the Old Testament, and I, I double-dog dare you to study about it, um, but there's a phrase in the Old Testament when it would talk about the great leaders of Israel that had learned how to go out and come in. Go out and come in. What does that mean? They learned how to go out into battle, but they learned how to come back in. And what I mean by that is go to the temple and worship God so that they're prepared to go back out. See, a lot of times I think in life, we're living defeated lives because we don't return. We don't come back. Now, here's a big one, okay? That is this. Praising and worshiping God is not always convenient. It is not always convenient. Now, Jesus told these 10, he said, go show yourself to the priest. All 10 of them turned and were heading to the priest. And who do you think got there to the priest first? The other nine did, okay? But this one delayed getting to the priest so he could return and praise and worship the Lord. You think that was a little bit of an inconvenience? Maybe for him to face public uh, ridicule because here he was a leper. You know, people were still scared of him. They didn't know he'd gotten healed. And so here he presses his way through the crowd, gets back to Jesus to fall on his face before the Lord and to worship him. Yeah, that was an inconvenience. Sometimes it's going to be an inconvenience for you to worship and praise God. You know, I'm reminded of uh, when David was on the run from Saul, he and his 300 men, <clears throat> there was a place that David arrived to and he wanted to set up a temporary place where he could worship God. So he needed a man's piece of property and the man loved King David and he said, David, listen, I'll give you the property. And David's reply, and this is so good, David's reply to the man was, I will not use something to worship God that did not cost me anything. In other words, I am willing to pay the price to worship God. So he paid the man full price for the property. One leper inconvenienced himself and went back to worship Jesus. If we only do what is convenient, we will never receive wholeness. You might get cleansed, but you won't receive wholeness. Hebrews 13, 15 in the New King James says this, therefore by him, let us how often continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Now, I, I used to say this and I, I when I was studying this, I, I said, Lord, okay, I'm gonna have to adjust my thinking just a little bit, and, and say this to you. You know, as a believer in the new covenant, Jesus is and was our total and complete sacrifice. He was the one. The Bible calls him the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. And I am so grateful for what Jesus did in laying down his life for us but I, I might have been duped into thinking that in the new covenant, we no longer have to offer sacrifices. That is not true. We just have to offer a different kind of sacrifice. We may not have to go and slash a lamb's throat and let it bleed out and then 
offer that lamb as a burnt offering before the Lord. We may not have to travel to Jerusalem on the day of atonement and do everything and fulfill all of that. But we, as New Testament believers, are not exempt from sacrifices. Hallelujah. Let me read it to you from the Passion. Maybe it'll clarify it. So we no longer offer up, offer up a steady stream of blood sacrifices, but through Jesus... We will offer up to God a steady stream of praise sacrifices. These are the, quote, lambs we offer from our lips that celebrate his name. You know, the Bible says that our worship that comes up before God, well, let me back up. In the Old Testament, when they would sacrifice the lambs and offer them as burnt offerings on the altar, the Bible says that the aroma from that would rise to be a sweet-smelling savor in God's nostrils. The Bible also says in the New Covenant, though, that our prayers, our praise, and our worship arise into heaven and are a sweet smelling savor in God's nostrils. In other words, God, when we begin to praise and worship him, God begins to smell it in heaven. <laughs> I love it. Why? Because it's a sacrifice. Because there are going to be times when you don't feel like praising God. There are going to be times when that would be the last thing that you want to do. But the moment that you do, you say, you know what? I don't feel like taking time right now to worship and praise God, but I'm going to do it anyway. And so you begin to use your words and you begin to speak and bless and honor and worship God. The Bible says that those sacrifices at that moment become something very precious and very valuable to God. I'm going to say this to you. You know, read in the New Testament, in the book of Revelation, the Bible says that God captures those things and he contains them and hangs on to them. How do I know that? Well, the Bible says that your prayers that go before God are captured in a vial or a bowl. And the Bible says that at the right time, when the power of God is ready to move on your behalf, that the angels take those bowls full of your prayers and fling them forth back into the earth. Why? To move and cause something to happen as a result of your prayers. Hallelujah. This isn't too deep for you, is it? Okay. Just a couple more points and then we're done. Here we go. Worship is an act of gratitude and gratitude will always posture you to receive more good things from God. Just think, y'all, what if the whole ten had returned and come down and fallen at their feet, at the feet of Jesus, and began to worship him? All ten of them would have been made whole. Jesus wasn't upset that the ten didn't come back. He was upset that he didn't get to do more for them. You know, I've made up my mind. I'm going to do everything I can. I'm not going to deny Jesus one thing that he wants to do for me. <laughs> Why? I'd be an idiot. Okay, so if he tells me come back, hey, I'm coming back. Amen? All right, now I'm going to say this to you. Worship will bring things into your life that other people will never get. Now, that doesn't mean we're better. doesn't mean we're elite doesn't mean anything like that. It just means that we avail ourselves through our worship to all God has for us. And there are just some folks who, for whatever reason, don't return. And so they're not going to be able to experience. Now, they could, and it's our job to tell them, but your worship will bring things into your life that other people just aren't going to receive. And listen, you don't, two things. You don't have to apologize for it, nor do you have to try and explain it. When God does something for you, don't ever feel like you have to apologize for it. Never. Never. You don't owe anybody. Now, 
If it's a mess you made, then you might need to apologize and offer an explanation. But if it's something good that God does for you and somebody doesn't understand it and wants to fall out with you over that, let them fall out. Love them. Love them, forgive them, let them fall out, and you just go on about your business. Ask God to help them and bless them, and you just keep it moving. All right? Now, I'm going to say one last thing, and that's it. I know I've said that three times. This is my fourth closing. All right? Here we go. What you praise God for is what you will get to enjoy. I'm going to say that again. That's, that's one of those good things. What you praise God for is what you will get to enjoy. Amen. Hallelujah. Did you get anything out of this? Praise God. Let's just take a moment. Let's pray and worship the Lord. Father, thank you for your goodness in our lives. Father, thank you for the word of God that we have heard today. <clears throat> Lord, I thank you for the example that we see in this story of Jesus' ministry. Lord, I believe as if we'll return and honor you and glorify you, Lord, I thank you that we'll be able to receive everything that you have for us. Lord, I, I've made up my mind. I don't want to just be cleansed. I want to be made whole. <clears throat> Cleansing is great. Healing is great. Provision is great. But I want to be made whole, Father. So I just acknowledge you and worship you today. We as a congregation, we take a moment and we just return to you to say thank you. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done in our lives. Thank you for our salvation. Thank you for healings. Thank you for the times that you've provided for us. Thank you for the times that you have showed up on our behalf. Thank you for the times that you have ministered to us. Thank you for the times that you have gone way over and above and beyond just because you're good. Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for all that you've done for us. Father, just remind us to ever keep a heart of thanksgiving and gratitude and worship. Lord, to always return and come back to you and to praise and to honor you and to worship you. May our lives, Father, be vessels of worship to you. Lord, help us to become worshipers, not just in name, but in deed and name. And Father, we thank you for it. Holy Spirit, we give you permission. Teach us how to effectively worship our God. Teach us how to effectively praise our God. Teach us how to be skillful in our praise and our worship. In Jesus' name. And I thank you for it, Lord. I praise you for it, Father. Thank you, Lord. Now, Father, I just agree with every single person here that might be facing a difficult situation. Father, we agree together in the name of Jesus, no matter what that situation might be, that you're a healer, you're a way maker, you're a provider. And Lord, we release our faith right now. We ask you to move in every situation, heal every physical body, meet every financial need, Show up, Father, in our families. Minister to our loved ones, our children, Father. Thank you, Lord, for doing it. Now, we release our faith, and we believe it, and we call it done right now in the name of Jesus, and we thank you for it. We praise you for it in advance. Hallelujah. So, Father, we're done asking. Our words from now on are just going to be words of praise and thanking you, Father, that it's done. Thank you, Father, that it's done. Thank you that the needs are met. Thank you that our bodies are healed. Thank you that we have peace, Father. Thank you that we have joy in the Holy Ghost, Father. Thank you, Lord, that you are our victory. Thank you, Lord, that you are our provider. Thank you, Father, that you are our healer, that you are our restorer, that, Father, you restore what was lost. Father, I thank you, Lord. That's what you do in Jesus' name. That's who you are. Hallelujah. And we bless you. We praise you. We thank you for it, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Every need fully and abundantly supplied. Hallelujah. Every sick body healed. Hallelujah. And made whole in the name of Jesus. 
Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Praise your holy name. Praise your holy name. Praise your holy name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Oh, we love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Praise your holy name. Praise your holy name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. The Holy Ghost wants to say something to us, so listen to this carefully. I'm going to give a, a message in tongues, and then I'll, I'll give the interpretation. So, Ebregedish kanasikedili pahania, robotongar vikedche, sindili porondo kese, nigurutush keneni asadama kehetilipa kasumedeti, brote man kum broketi, segandili ponomachendi, jdokarati isiteni mahatila kosotia, Robongo refakenche kistele sombadaya tomrigite sikachenda orendise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For I have been waiting for my people, says the Lord, to learn these things. These things are spiritual and they are powerful and they make tremendous portions of my power available to you and in your life. If you will just tap into the realm of the Spirit where I live and I abide, says the Lord, then it will open the doorway for me to begin to move in realms and levels that you've never seen before, to manifest myself to you in a very powerful way way. For there are situations in your life that are easy for me to fix, to resolve, and yes, indeed, restore. But I need your heart, I need your faith, and I need your worship to open the door for me to step into those things so that I can manifest myself the way that I desire to manifest myself. For I love my people. I love you, and I desire to show myself strong on your behalf. Oh, it grieves my heart when I see the forces of darkness gain the upper hand in one's life. For I desire to reveal my mercies and my grace. I desire to reveal my power and to reveal and to show you that yes, as you've already declared, I am for you. I am not against you. I want to show myself strong on your behalf. So begin to step into these things. Begin to understand and to walk in the revelation that I have for you. Oh, there's so much more, so much more, so much more. You've barely scratched the surface of what I have in store for my people. For my word says that I have victory in store for the upright. I have things prepared for you that you've not yet stepped into. Don't wait, don't hesitate, and don't procrastinate. Step into those things today. Let me begin to reveal those things to you today. For as I said in my word, today is the day of salvation. That doesn't mean just getting born again. Today is the day of your wholeness. Today is the day of your healing. Today is the day of untapped levels of my spirit in your life. So participate, receive it, and walk in it 
in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.